Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. This episode of Happy Hour is sponsored by Gold Star. Gold Star has a great selection of affordable tickets to all sorts of live events, including theater, with Broadway and Broadway national tours, concerts, comedy, dance, and more. The first 200 listeners who use the promo code HAPPYHOUR, one word, all caps, will get $10 off their purchase at goldstar.com backslash happyhour or using the Gold Star app. Jimmy, didn't you fall asleep during the Tony? I did. <laughs> I absolutely did. Well, not during. They were happening somewhere else. Uh-huh. And I was asleep. And you were asleep. You didn't. Yeah, I've you, caught up. Never fear. You didn't miss much. I I didn't. I have seen that now. And what I my experience of the Tonys uh-huh. right uh-huh. has been watching uh, the Once on a Island performance about over forty times and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, I watched the band's visit one like twice. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's just fantastic. I was surprised with the band's visit one how great a job they do in filming it to make it feel super intimate. Um, yes, on the Radio City stage. Um, yes. I guess the same with ones on this island. They did. A, I mean, they built the circle in the square. The on whole the stage. thing. Yeah, a theater in a theater. Circle in the square in Radio City Music Hall. Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour, your weekly podcast with wigs and whiskey. That's a good one. We've already it. had the whiskey last week. Uh, We're out in Scotland now. Well, you know, we've got there's just plenty of whiskey to go around. There is so much. It's all good. <laughs> Speaking all of, good. what are you drinking today, Jimmy? Um, let's go for um I don't know, like a sidecar? Ooh, that's a good one. I had two. Does that make sense? I had that does make sense. I was either going to be drinking um, just a small triple, right. or a daiquiri with honey. Yes, that would be appropriate. <laughs> Mine was just of the era, or some gin from a bathtub. There's just lots of alcohol. In yeah, there show. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. Yeah, gin from a bathtub. That's that's a good one. Gin from a bathtub, ten cents. Um. Wow, we say two bits. That's funny. Oh yeah, we we wouldn't say two bits. That doesn't make sense. No. Yeah. Well, we also don't say gin from a bathtub. <laughs> savages. Oh, man. Anyway, um, you have a quiz question, I believe. I sir? do. A laundry list of actresses were considered to play the title role in this musical, including 
Mary Martin, Ethel Merman, Gwen Verdon, B. Arthur, Doris Day, Elaine Stritch, Lena Horne, and Judy Garland. It's my own version of the diva poker rap. But instead, <laughs> <laughs> the role went to a relative newcomer on the Broadway scene. What show, Jimmy? By the way, that's a new video idea, just to let you know. <laughs> you, you put that one in a pen. Um, that show could only be... Mame. Get the eyes out. Roll the rug up. It's today. Though it may not be anyone's birthday. And though it's far from the first of the year. I know that this very minute has history in it. We're here. It's a time how you're not gonna put the title song right here <laughs> i was gonna put it's today they, like why because like... <laughs> you said mame and then it'd be mame whatever that's not how it works that'll bring be the closing one thomas bring... no. <laughs> <laughs> don't but my seamless editing of you singing into that song Ooh. was to die spotless for. to die for i spent far too long making that good um <laughs> Yes, we are doing MAME, hooray. Um, music and lyrics by, of course, Mr. Jerry Herman and the book by Jerome Lawrence and Robert Edwin Lee. Who goes by Robert E. Lee, um, strangely. Bertie Lee. Bert, Bertie Lee. Um, it's based on Anti-MAME by Patrick Dennis, the book, also yep. the play, also the film of the play. Um, yep. They all just kind of happened around the same time in the 50s. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it opened up on Broadway in 1966 with, of course, Miss Angela Lansbury, who was the woman from our quiz question. Mm. Um, and it ran for a whopping uh, 1,500 performances, which is incredible. And it opened in the West End in 1969. Yeah, great year. Um, and at the Tonys, the 66 Tonys, uh, Angela Lansbury won, B. Arthur won, Frankie Michaels won for Best Supporting Actor. Um no creatives, but that's fine. Yeah. They all did very well. And there's a film, but, you know, we'll get to that. We will get to that. Ha, ha, ha. Okie So, well, the story of Mame, it's a, it's a windy one. Yeah. It's, it's sprawling. Super episodic. Um, yes, Takes absolutely. place over decades? Absolutely. Yeah, about 20 years. Yeah. Um, Mame Dennis is a Manhattan socialite. Um, who is, you know, living in the Roaring Twenties and throwing her gin-filled, uh, like, socialite parties when yep. who should knock at the door but her only living relative, Patrick, her nephew, who has yep. been bequeathed to Mame by Patrick's late father. Um, and Mame takes Patrick on a wild life through his upbringing, um, everywhere from Manhattan to the South to Shangri-La. Um, 
Yep. And, it, you know, it's their misadventures kind of through Patrick's upbringing. Does that seem pretty Yeah, accurate? definitely. Definitely. Um, and it sort of uh, comes to a, a, a close uh, when Patrick's all grown up mm-hmm. um, and he, he meets Mame again and she finds that he's... Uh, kind of become the person she never wanted him to be. Yes. Uh, and it's all about how she kind of finally shows him the way. Yes, exactly. There is, um, you know, Mame is uh, exotic and artistic and bohemian. And yes. uh, Patrick, and really Patrick's father, was decidedly not. And so Patrick yeah. is kind of... Um, you know, put under Mame's care with a huge set of caveats enforced by Mr. Babcock, who is in charge of his trust, um, Patrick's trust. And so yes. we kind of see the the tension there between Mame's bohemian lifestyle and Patrick's back and forth between wanting to become his anti-Mame and not wanting to become his anti-Mame. Exactly. And I've got some definitions for later for that. Ooh. Some- literary literary definition how Hello. intellectual <laughs> way that's what we are um but here shall we shall we dive on into the roaring 20s let's do it i'm charlestoning in my seat charlestoning uh, can you verb yeah, that yeah excellent i'm charlestoning in my seat excellent oh vera i can't wait to hear that overture tell me about the show well, well, it's this terribly modern operetta about a lady astronomer who makes a universe-shaking discovery. have a little secret I'd like to impart that I hope doesn't give you too much of a start. Though it's shocking, it's completely true. I know it isn't gossip or rumor, of course, for I've had it from quite a reliable source, and I'd like to pass it on to you. A lady with lipstick and curls The cow that jumped over Cried for jumping Jehovah I think it's just one of the girls She winks at the I would the quite like to see you, Charleston. Uh, you know, I actually, it is a long-running joke in my family that we will break into the Charleston at random moments. You think I'm making that up, but that's actually a thing that me and my brothers do all the time. And you actually break into it? Yeah, when in doubt, Charleston. Okay, right now, just for my own benefit, can you get up and Absolutely do some... Absolutely not. Why not? <laughs> because I'm very comfy right now. Ugh. 
I was even kidding. Well, tomorrow at Pride, I yes. want videos. <laughs> Plenty of Charlestoning. Charlestoning Thank at Pride. You. I love it. It's one of my favorite uh, styles of dance to do. Yes. Yeah. No, it's, oh, it's, it's just so invigorating. That whole, this whole era, the 1920s, this, you know, flapper Charleston yeah. style dance. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, absolutely. Um, none of the other stuff that was going on, but just no, that. Just that. That's all we need. All the behind closed door stuff is the best. Yes. Jimmy, can I Jimmy, can I read to you a stage direction from this musical? Yes. This is from the very beginning. They're describing the party goers at Mame's first big party. Great. Um right now she like this is, you know, our meeting of Auntie Mame and the context in which she lives kind of before Patrick enters her life, or like right as he enters. Yep. Um and this is a stage direction straight out of the libretto. Now Mame is down the stairs greeting and kissing guests, who include the half drunken but chic operetta star Vera Charles, a bearded Orthodox bishop, the athletic Ralph Ralph Devine, the suave publisher M. Lindsay Wolds Woolsey, and people who might be Floyd Gibbons, Marian Anderson, Radcliffe Hall, Paul Robertson, Lady Mendel. Fatty Arbuckle, Bob Benchley, Texas Goonian, I don't know who these people are, plus assorted flappers, gangsters, and even an Arab. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think there is a very interesting tone that this musical sets of like like an anti-racism progressiveness of a bygone era. Yeah, it's weird because like when I so when I read that stage direction... It was that, I was like, oh, because it wasn't, it wasn't, um, oh, I can't believe that, because right. I get what, I get what they're meaning by that. Right. They're saying, you know, Mame invites everyone to her parties. Exactly. And, exactly. And like the part, you know, we've got anyone mixing with people like Fatty Arbuckle, who's yes. a big director. He's the only one of them I know, but I thought I'd pull that <laughs> out. Um you know, like the hoi polloi. Right, exactly. Like the 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 elite of Manhattan, but also but the the exotic elite. Um, yes, and there is certainly, you know, a an interesting undercurrent through this show that it, it is. I find it difficult to tease out about. You know, M- Mame is a contemporary icon and tries to stay up to date. She's always updating the paintings in her house and is like. Yep fills you know surrounds herself with um the outcasts of society sometimes like the but it is interesting to see that written in the 1960s where like Uh there's that dichotomy of they want this to be progressive and new of course but it is still the 60s so there's still like you know we looking back on it now it seems almost naive yeah uh wait what do you mean like on their part yeah like the i think the thing that stands out to me the most is um so mame falls in love with beauregard um yes you know a fine southern gentleman um, and it is quite the to-do that Mame goes to visit Beauregard and his gigantic family on their southern plantation. Um, yes. And while it is interesting because there are moments where characters in the show are portrayed as explicitly racist, yeah. n- no one on the plantation is portrayed as explicitly racist. Um, but they're like, you, with all the trappings 
of this kind of southern feel that yeah. it always, you know, makes me nervous, rubs me the wrong way a little bit. And the whole conceit is that Beauregard's family isn't going to appreciate or accept Mame because she's a Yankee. She's a, yeah. you know, an uppity society girl, and that's not how we do things down here. Um, yeah. But then through, you know, hilarious happenstance and being able to ride a horse um, accidentally, Mame proves herself to this giant family, and suddenly the entire South accepts this Yankee Manhattan girl as one of their own. Um, And that is like, you know, it's, it's like the authors were like, and then that's how Mame solved southern racism or you know southern lack of acceptance by just being funny and nice and a go-getter um and like clearly that's not the intent jerry herman just wants to write a song where you can cakewalk and kick line um exactly but there's something about it that like seems naive do you think it's just too idealistic is that what you mean i think it is you know, I think it is something that hold would hold the musical back today. Um, yeah, I like, and why we don't see a lot of contemporary revivals. Uh, yeah. I also think it's the sort of thing that in 1966 the New York audience was like, yeah, um, because also for a New York Manhattan audience, it is easier to portray Southern people as slow and stupid. Um, because yeah. they're far away. We talked about this in maybe Scottsboro <laughs> Boys. Um, yeah. And so, like, there is that, you know, it's almost like a, a, a Yankee savior story. <laughs> yeah, it has. It's, I feel like it kind of comes out of nowhere, that whole section. Yeah. Because Beauregard could be anyone. Right, exactly. He doesn't need to be a plantation owner in the no. South. Um, it's quite peculiar that he is. So, uh, yeah, I always... I remember the first, the very first time I listened to this. Now, it's actually quite uh, weird. So the first time I listened to this was in about 2009. Okay. Um, and then I didn't pick it up again until mm-hmm. a month ago. So Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, in, back in 2009, that was when I was like becoming a nerd. Mm. Uh, and so now being a nerd, right. um, at first I was a bit like, oh, I did not pick up on that the first time. And right. it just, it's so left left of you because yeah. it also never gets brought back again no in act two yeah that whole story's stopped no it's gone i mean like beauregard's dead at the end of intermission yeah. like yeah it's um it's such a i think that's one of the, you know maybe separate from some of the more social issues for this thing i do think that is an interesting um kind of piece of fallout of this being such an episodic musical is that yeah. so many things happen and then never come back again and are yeah. like only barely related to the story. Like, yeah. the man in the moon is a lady. Like, <laughs> exactly. Hilarious, wonderful, and could also be totally cut and none of the plot would be lost. Totally. None of it. Absolutely. Because, um, yeah, all of these things, I think, just kind of build up to show you who Mame is. And, right. like, these are Mame's ideals. Yeah. Like, these are the, this is the Mame way. Yeah. Um. It's quite interesting because, like, it almost feels like you could collect, 
you could go out and collect the meme comics. Yeah, exactly. It's, Do you know what I mean? And like, oh, and this one, this is the one where meme saves the South. Right. Oh, this is the one where meme stars in a vaudeville show. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. It, 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 that's what it feels like. It feels like um, a serial. Yeah, and that they've just kind of brought these all together. Um, and quite, I think it was supposed to be a TV show at one point. Interesting. I would. I think. I think I would very much show. enjoy that. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I mean, I don't know the history of it. But I have a hundred percent read that somewhere. Um, and it is. It does have that episodic, like because because she is this very strong character mm-hmm. who has. It's almost. She's almost like Kimmy Bloody Schmidt. Yeah. Like. Do you know what I mean? And, and huge differences, but yeah. uh, just in that sense, it's like, well, what does Kimmy get up to today? Yeah, exactly. You know, no, I think let's it was, put Kimmy in this situation. Let's I, put Mame in this situation and see what she does. I don't know where I was reading it, reading it, but it was a quote from Jerry Herman, and he said, right. um, uh, "Mame may not always know where she's going, but she damn well is going to get there." Um, exactly. Yeah. 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 And I it, read that. It's such a great descriptor. Um, yep. But it, then, then it is interesting that, like, some of these, you know, quote-unquote progressive issues come out. But because it's so episodic, it's like, bloop, that's it, done, move on. Absolutely. It's just like, yeah, it's just, it's just like she waves her magic meme wand and then yeah. trots off to the next one. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's quite, it is quite interesting. And I guess, like, as a sort of a storytelling point of view, um, obviously she goes on these, like, we say, misadventures. Mm-hmm. Um it's quite interesting that the kind of the main story, this her main project, the main magic wand throw of her and Patrick mm-hmm. is the only thing that could ever be in jeopardy. Yeah. But yet that's like the strongest relationship that runs through the whole yeah. show. Yeah. Um, so that's quite smart. I quite like that. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. I find it interesting because episodic musicals stereotypically don't do well. Episodic yeah. plays don't do well. Um, you know, it's the the Greek unity of time. Um, yeah. And the fact that this was as popular as it was and still kind of weaves this, you know, what's the comic book of the week main story into two totally. hours of theater um, is fascinating. Like, I want to... Yeah. It, it, I, it is... Like, why? You know? Yeah. It's got to be something more than just catchy thong- songs or catchy thongs. Um, <laughs> catchy thongs. <laughs> Woo! I do I do think it speaks a lot to just how wonderfully clever the character of Mame is. Absolutely. Um it's just it's such an iconic yeah. character. Yeah. Um and I feel like there will be eyes rolling out there just like, oh look, it's two gay guys talking about Mame again. <laughs> but that's fine. Um <laughs> and we'll talk more on that story later. But uh yeah, so uh, on my readings, my mm. readings of Mame, uh-huh. um, I stumbled into uh, Greek literature. Fascinating. Um, and the concept uh, of Apollonian and Dionysian uh-huh. uh, stories, or like a dichotomy. Okay. Uh, and I think it was Nietzsche, <laughs> and I'm not even kidding, <laughs> uh, who kind of propagated this idea yes we're talking about philosophy and jimmy's obviously happier (laughs) yes we are um but just in a sense and i think this is just what i mean is it's a really good uh example of this Mm -hmm. because it's uh this kind of concept of um apollonian dionysian dichotomy Uh um in the sense that so um 
Apollo and Dionysus, two Greek gods, uh, had a sort of a rivalry because Apollo represented sort of a stoic and rigid way of life, mm-hmm. whereas uh, Dionysus, who's the god of wine and merriment, uh, very much, you know, lived in the world of freedom yeah. and wildness and, yeah. you know, chthonic craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and these two had this kind of, you know, this battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it gets talked about a lot in gay culture. Yeah, okay. Uh, because of our own kind of dichotomy or has certainly a more historical dichotomy that we've had of, mm-hmm. you know, living in the closet and having this other life that we have, right. you know, in an underground leather bar. Yeah. Um, that and then coming out and then stereotyped going Stereotyped as raucous and, you know, totally exactly. no holds barred. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so I think it comes into play in Mame. Yeah. Uh, because Mame is 100% a Dionysian character. Mm-hmm. Like, 100%. She has no... There's nothing stopping Mame. Right. Do you know what I mean? She is a barrel that is rolling. Yeah. And it will just keep keep on going. Yeah. Um, and she she openly says this and she openly celebrates this. Yeah. Um, but then you have these other kind of characters in her life mm-hmm. which present this more Apollonian mm-hmm. uh, vibe. Yeah. Uh, so you've got Mr. Babadook. I can never remember his actual name. Uh, I was about to say Mr. Babadook. <laughs> it is pride. Babcock. Speaking of, speaking of gay icons, <laughs> the Babadook. Uh, um, but yeah, so basically, you know, who is this idea of like staunch conservatism, mm-hmm. bully for you, etc. Right. Um, but like portrayed have... as this, you know, he is the antagonist. <clears throat> yes, yes, absolutely. Um, but presents, doesn't present an ideal, an, an idea that is antagonistic. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Do yeah. You know? I mean, it's different to the one that we're celebrating in this yeah. story. Yeah. Um, because there's nothing wrong with sending your child to a normal school right i mean he does does have lines like i'm gonna turn this boy into a god-fearing catholic if it has if i have to break every bone in his body like absolutely he's not the brightest shining light no but then the thing is is that is that's still a it's quite a fat a paternal yes true thing to you know what i mean and there are families where i'm sure that quote has been heard yeah yeah unironically yeah um so it's not it's not like it's so he's not like I'm gonna lock you up in a hate horrible nasty school for right. evil boys or something like that. Right. It's just your father wants you to have a conventional education and we're gonna do that and Mame's like, absolutely not to the nudist colony with you. Right. Yeah, exactly. The other end of the spectrum. It is yeah. it does very much create, I think, a story of characters who don't make a lot of decisions. Um like this is a very observational story, you know. Yeah. Like certainly, you're engaging with Mame and you're like empathizing with her and like feeling all the things she feels. But I don't know if, like, maybe um, if he walked into my life, is that the name of that song? Um, yeah, if he walked into my life, she has some like interior conflict. Maybe mm-hmm. that's about it. You know, Mame is not indecisive in this show. Yeah, like, but, she, and yeah, there's very little. Like that is really the only point. Yeah, 
um which i think makes it super powerful um you know it, it makes her super powerful yeah like the she's mary poppins like. she is she is mary poppins she is otherworldly mystical um you know and unstoppable yeah like you never, you at no point in this show do you think, oh God, Mame's going to change or oh God, Mame's going to lose her right. flair. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You do think, oh God, Mame's going to lose Patrick. Um, and like yes. that, that I think is the fear of the show. That's the, the mystery. That's the suspense. That's what, you know, keeps you engaged and what makes the whole dinner party scene hilarious and tense at the yes. very end. Um, absolutely yeah, it's like maybe, you know is she gonna make this last hurrah exactly the we haven't quite explained uh patrick um falls in love with a boring girl does that seem like a good description <laughs> literally that's it yeah um the uh a rich boring girl a rich boring girl and invites her whole family the uptons over to mame's apartment for a dinner party um well first it's called upton downs upton which i think is funny oh man um, but the Uptons, uh, besides from being kind of boring suburban knights, are also mm, racist. Um, yes. And the, like, Mame invites them over, you know, and and is Mame. Serves them, you know, baked monkey and boiled python or whatever and it is. Bees. And bees. <laughs> and this one's bees! Uh, it's so funny. Um, but then, uh, you know... Intro- like accidentally quote unquote introduces them to Mrs. Gooch, the unmarried pregnant nanny of Patrick. Yep. Um, you know, and then in her big old fu, uh, tells the Uptons that she's bought the land right next to their estate and is going to turn it into uh, a home for unmarried pregnant women, which yep. totally disturbs them. And there is a brief moment where you think. You know, May might have totally lost her connection with Patrick right there. Like yeah. this may be a step too far towards indoctrinating him in her bohemian lifestyle. Yeah. Um, of course, it's a music. It's a Jerry Herman musical, so that doesn't happen. But I think that is the drama that's worth playing up in this. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, she's just—it's an amazing character, a yes. proper celebratory joyous being yeah absolutely a force a proper force um and i don't think there are many uh characters as forceful yeah as no. this one i i think so too well you, this might be a good transition point that's what i was building too yes well done for picking up <laughs> i'll make this bow my little love that on the last day of your life you'll be smiling the same young smile you're smiling now my little love if you wake up every morning and you pull aside the shutter and you promise me that these will be the first words that you utter Open a new window, open a new door, travel a new highway that's never been tried before, before you find you're a dull fellow, punching the same clock, walking the same tightrope as everyone on the block. The fellow you want to be is three-dimensional, soaking up life down to your toes. 
Whenever they say you're slightly unconventional, just put your thumb up to your nose and show them how to dance to a new rhythm. Whistle a new song, toast with a new vintage, the fist doesn't fist too long. There's only one way to make the bubbles stay. Simply travel a new highway, dance to a new rhythm, open a new window every Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline one of the things that makes Mame so powerful is she is a she's a non-traditional female role in musical theater do you think that's yes. fair to say Ab- absolutely especially in 1960s musical theater yeah i mean coming right off of you know jerry herman wrote hello dolly and then re- wanted to write hello dolly again and wrote Mame. and <laughs> yeah <laughs> right and there's plenty of yeah. comparison you can do between Mame and dolly and dolly is of course also a powerful female character um yes but her entire modus operandi is um to marry horace vandergelder like her entire existence on this in this musical is to get married for for mame her love story is a tiny portion of this show yep it's just one and also Mm. she says very early on that marriage isn't on her radar like it's not something she's yeah. Seeking out. Yeah. She's just seeking out the ability to live. Yeah, exactly. You and, know, you that know, is her priority. To that, there, I think there is an argument to be made that she marries Beauregard for that. I wouldn't go so far to say oh. that she marries Beauregard for his money, but she definitely marries him to For the live. next adventure. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I completely, completely believe that. I don't really see their relationship as being anything too solid anything too exciting just in the sense that she's a lovely person who probably has a lot of love to give yeah uh and is able to give that freely yeah you know i don't think she is like you're the man for me i'm ready to settle down for the rest of my life yeah i mean and I, do whatever you want yeah like, and it, and it's just such a tiny part of the show like the, absolutely between um uh bosom buddies and gucci's song like yep. we we passed the bechdel test 
fully and completely in this totally. show. Like most of the conversation, most of the songs in the show are sung by women and aren't about men. Yeah. Yeah. Which is super progressive for 1966. Absolutely. And it again, it just doesn't really happen. Yeah. Nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we haven't that I think is perhaps one of the more baffling things is like that this, you know, maybe because we are talking it is an adaptation and um, you know, Jerome, Robert, and Jerry all got very lucky that this story was so beloved and that they were able yeah. to adapt it in the time they wrote it in. Yeah. Like, you know, they we can't give them all the credit for <laughs> inventing MAME. Um, but it is surprising that there aren't more, you know, we don't, we don't hit strong independent women in musical theater again in this way. I would say applause. Yeah, applause is a good example um you know wicked um like yep yeah which still has plenty of you know heterosexual love in it um yeah but like the mame is unique in that way like super i think so super feminist sticking it literally sticking it to the man throughout the yeah. entire show um like who cares it's just like sisters thinks. doing it for the like do you know yeah. what i mean they're just Everyone wants to be Mame and Vera. Oh, God, yes. Uh, um, yeah. Well, and so that is, you joked earlier, but two more gays talking about Mame. Um, yeah. Like, they, at Musical Mondays in the gay bar in Chicago, they play Bosom Buddies, the good version, between B. Arthur and Angela Lansbury from whatever yeah. Tony's or show it is. Yeah. And, like, everyone loses it. Everyone tears the house down because something about it is so gay yeah you know it's it's literally just two old queens throwing shade right (laughs) yeah that's that's a fabulous way to put it like that's exactly what it is the the cattiness the you know we hate each other because we love each other kind of like we would be nowhere without each other right and, and I know you inside out. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's and that. I insult you deeply every moment we meet. Um, yeah, because I love you. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's great. Which is hugely, you know, a part of gay culture. And, like, who knows how intentional <laughs> all of this was. Um, yeah. But, like, gay audiences adore MAME. <laughs> Well, I think I think it is intentional. I absolutely think it is, and I think it's just all because of Jerry Herman. Mm-hmm. Like, so obviously we said, yeah, this isn't Jerry Herman's story. This mm-hmm. is a pure adaptation. But what attracted Jerry Herman to it, right. um, you know, is is this? It is it's a hundred percent a gay story. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Jerry Herman's own narrative. Mm-hmm. We've talked this weirdly. We've talked this about Sondheim. There's a hundred percent an essay in this. Yeah. Um, as he progresses, he peeks more and more out of the closet. Oh yeah, do you know what I mean? Until we hit Lacage, and then we're and then we're fully out. Yeah, the wigs exactly. are on the floor, right? Um, but you know, this is a really important moment for him because this, you know, it's weird that it takes a gay man to write this feminist show. Yeah, yeah, you know, it would it couldn't have been written by Rodgers and Hammerstein, like yeah lesser yeah. you know what i mean it couldn't because they don't they wouldn't get this yeah they wouldn't get the need for this yeah and it, yeah it just because make... that's what i see that's what i see mame as yeah and i guess we're in a way as well she's just a beacon 
Right. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. She's... Well, and not to, you know, I, I think there is a dangerous tightrope to walk because I never want to minimize Mame as a feminist icon and Bogart it into Mame being a metaphorical representation of the gay man's journey, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, like, I, I think she's certainly both. Um See, I don't, I don't look at it as like the gay man's journey. I like because I, I know there are all the parallels between Patrick and mm-hmm. her, and like you know, I've read essays about Mame being the drag mother to Patrick's drag daughter mm-hmm. and all that. Um, I think at its heart, it, it is, it is purely feminist, and it's for women because the stories aren't there for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And the 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 way it works in inverted commas with with gay culture is we look to these wonderful sisterly relationships mm-hmm. because uh, that is the kind of inner femininity yeah. that we want to explore. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. The inner feminine that we as gay men choose to embrace as opposed to block. Right. Because we all have it. Exactly. And there aren't explicit representations of it as much or then, you know, pick your poison. And so what you have is Mame. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's you know I don't I don't see Jerry Herman writing this as uh, gay you know gay homosexual propaganda. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm right. like I'm going to tell my story. Yeah, it's just like this is the woman I want to be friends with. Right, exactly. Yeah, this is you know it's escapism. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it's so idealistic. Yes, Abs- Yes, and especially you know we're talking 1960s. This is this is a time where like writing escapist literature for the theater is a bit of an act of protest um yeah and a hundred percent a hundred percent um so it is it's, it's just beautiful i mean the thing is it's like we could talk to the cows come home about meme of the gays <laughs> yes and i think the gays have for decades <laughs> we really really have um and it's just yeah i don't know i just think it's is great in yeah. that respect it is just fabulous in that respect. Yeah. Um, there's a great uh, YouTube video series. The all-male MAME production? No, not that one? No, I was talking about musical theater. So oh, <laughs> I make YouTube videos sometimes in the past. <laughs> um, I was giving you a beautiful plug and you didn't even pick it up. Yeah, maybe well, we'll, maybe we'll put it in the show notes if you haven't watched it. I talk a long time about how musical theater is gay. I talk a lot about Jerry do. Herman. Um yeah, but there's, I mean, there's loads, like, we'll kind of load up the uh, show notes with books and yeah. essays and, and things like that. Because there's loads out there. And it is very interesting. Yeah. Because um, I feel like this is a big, you know, cornerstone mm-hmm. in this world of moving musicals away from the Rodgers and Hammersteins and into the uh, Lawrences and the Sondheims and the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, letting the, letting the musical theater, I don't know, feel a little more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just kind of be, you know, it's 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 almost like it's allowing music theater to write the stories for the people that are watching them. Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly it. I mean, like I, you know, I love Mame, and I listen and watch this show, and just the the concepts behind like open a new window and it's today. And yeah. like, I find so infinitely empowering. Yeah. Um, 
for whatever reason. Oh, totally. It, it just it, that's the thing is like on the whether you're gay or whether you're straight, whatever. Yeah, it's it's just an exciting, powerful story. Yeah. We'll always be bosom buddies, friends, sisters, and pals. We'll always be bosom buddies. If life should reject you, there's me to protect you. If I say that your tongue is vicious, if I call you uncouth, it's simply that who else but a Okay, so this episode is, of course, sponsored by Gold Star. Tommy, yes. tell us all about Gold Star. Well, so I'm looking up right here. Um, as you know, Gold Star has a bunch of tickets to live events, affordable tickets. Yep. Um, most of their tickets are uh, marked down from the original ones, and they have a bunch of regional tickets right here in Denver. Jimmy, I could go see Crybaby the musical. Did you know that was a thing? Uh, absolutely. You're talking to a big John Waters fan <laughs> right here. Or if, if I wanted to put my sports hat on, they've got some Rockies tickets too, and I could go to a baseball game. That I could tell you nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if you uh, go over and check out goldstar.com um, or check out the absolutely free Gold Star app. Um, and if you are one of our first 200 listeners who use our, our promo code, Happy Hour. Uh, then you'll get $10 off your purchase. And that's on the already marked down tickets. Yeah, uh, a lot of tickets on Gold Star, about 50% off. And I see that here. And it just looks great. Look at this. I could go see Annie. (sighs) I would go see Annie. Yeah, would you? We'd like to thank you and your whore. (laughs) So great. Yep, so if you use the promo code HAPPYHOUR, that's Happy Hour all caps, one word, at goldstar.com backslash happy hour, you can get $10 off your first order. That only goes out to our first 200 listeners, so use it quick. Use it now. Run. Use it now. Run to your computer. But I'll always be Alice Toklas if you'll... Be Gertrude Stein And though I'll admit I've dished you I've gossiped and gloated But I'm so devoted And if I say that sex and guts Made you into a star It's simply that Who else but a somebody Will tell you how rotten you Speaking of gay men. Lucille Ball? <laughs> well, I was going to say, this I think is perhaps one of the biggest, biggest gay men conflict in the history of homosexuality. Wow. I'm ready. <laughs> Jimmy, did you know they made a movie of this musical? I did. 
And do you know who starred as Mame in the movie of this musical? That was I Love Lucy herself. 62-year-old Lucille Ball. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And no one has forgiven anyone for this movie in years. No, they have not. Um, It's... I find it reasonably fascinating and kind of funny. Yeah. Um, Because, so, like, I'm actually not that attached to Mame. I'm just going to throw that out there. Fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, like I say, it came onto my radar in 2009. Didn't yeah. Come, you know, and it's then, not yeah. It's not like, oh, the big part of my life. It's not a daily um, listen for you. Yeah. Like, the actual musical. The, all the kind of stuff flying around it. The mm-hmm. sociopolitical world of yeah. Mame. Yeah. Um, I'm well loving and involved in. Yeah. But the actual show itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it's not it's not anywhere near my top ten. Huh. Um, I, I'm much for Hello Dolly. Okay, you know, yeah, if talking Herman. I'm much for Hello Dolly. Um, anyway, uh, so the movie mm-hmm. I, I hadn't watched till we were getting ready to do this. Uh huh. Um, and I wouldn't mind if you could post me the two hours and thirty minutes or whatever. Uh, that I took to watch it. <laughs> it's so bad. It's really bad. It's um, really bad. And okay, so because I've made a video about this, I made a video a long time ago, and I don't. This is like your this is again. your viral sensation, Tommy. It really was about how Angela Lansbury was robbed, and Lucille Ball did an awful job in this movie. And yep. to this day, that YouTube video <laughs> still receives some of the most angry comments yeah like vitriolic i went through them today it was quite fun it is fascinating how dare you insult lucille ball in this way she's a comedic genius i love her in may and like okay i think first it bears saying i think lucille ball is a genius absolutely unequivocally i think she has defined television and a whole bunch of american culture as we know it um yeah you know but like even just talking about the Lucy show and, or I love Lucy and Star Trek, like just take those two as paragons yep. of entertainment. And already you've encompassed like 80% of contemporary film and television entertainment is based yep. on or takes things from these two things that she created basically. Um, and she's not good in this movie. She was a poor choice. And Everyone knows it. Critics knew it at the time. Angela Lansbury knew it. Jerry Herman knew it and was super insistent that it not be made. Jerry Herman yep. like then refused to make any movies of his musicals again unless he had direct producing influence. Yep. Um, Lucy herself refused to make a film ever again after yeah. this one because it went so poorly. Um, yeah, I think that's huge. B. Arthur knew it was a mistake. Um, yeah, B. Arthur... like. There's a random little interview I found where she, like, slates it. She's yeah. like, it's the worst movie ever made. Oh, that. yeah. Like, wow. And I think there's a quote. Oh, I forget. I forget the metaphor she uses. But um, when asked about what filming it was like, Lucille Ball says it's like watching your house burn down um, or something like that. Like, people Gosh. involved in this movie and who saw this movie hated it. And so I find yeah. it so fascinating that there is this subset of people who d- d- feel so passionately that they enjoy this. Like I'm, I've, but do not, 
do you not just think it's just that thing? I think it's, I think, like, I really do have difficulty unpacking this because I understand diva worship from a gay perspective. Like, that's how mm-hmm. I am about Angela Lansbury, which is perhaps why I'm a little blinded. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, and, you know, there are plenty of people out there who are just gigantic Lucille Ball fans and so adore yeah. everything she does. Like, objectively, the movie is boring and long and poorly filmed and poorly sung and yeah. like just some of it and it what makes it such a tragedy is the fact that the musical was so well received was such a great thing and this was a perfect chance to bring that to film kind of yeah. like i you know jerry herman was disappointed with um gene kelly's movie of hello dolly um but i think that's a pretty faithful honest representation of the stage I musical love it. yeah it's, yeah. it's I great love it. it's wonderful i get the barbara streisand controversy but i think the rest of it's perfect exactly the mame is not the move the film of mame is no. not a good representation of the musical <clears throat> no it's not i think um so obviously in your video mm-hmm. you know you talk about you're kind of discussing why did it fail um I think there was a number of reasons. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, the thing that I hated most about it uh, was Gene Sachs's direction. Yes. Yeah. Because it doesn't exist. No. It's, it's odd. It's very, very odd. Yeah. It almost feels at times like it's bordering on like Lynchian. Yeah. Like for some of the choices like that I'm just like intentionally obscure. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, for example, first scene. Mm-hmm. It's today. Why the hell does Patrick go up that banister, slide down it, and then do it again? They literally repeat the exact same thing yeah. twice, don't even change the shot. And I'm just like, that, to me, yeah. instantly, I was like, this is bad. Yeah. And, and then I couldn't get I couldn't get past it from there. Yeah. Um, now, I know, like, with, with Lucille Ball, like, we know that she's not a good, as good a singer as Angela Lansbury. Mm-hmm. All good, right? Um, and to be honest, I actually don't. I don't hate her voice. I don't hate. Do her, I mean, I don't hate her voice. I wish. I because I rewatched it again maybe two days ago. Um, yeah, it's just painful every time. Um, <laughs> but like, there are plenty <clears throat> of lady Broadway singers with weird voices who are yep absolutely successful you know b arthur um b arthur exactly carol channing like who yeah. who has a rosalind russell right who has weirder voices than these people and yep. they can find ways and find vocal coaches to get through this sort of stuff yeah um and lucy just couldn't just couldn't and half of you thinks like she's not an idiot she must have known right and so much of the production of this movie is shrouded in Hollywood gossip. Um, yeah. So who quite knows what's real and what's rumor. Um, but absolutely, at some point, someone raised the idea of dubbing Lucy's voice. And yep. who knows why that didn't happen, but it doesn't seem like an unfair bet that Lucy put the kibosh on that. Um, yeah. Well, she put the kibosh on a few things. Right. Madeline Kahn. Yeah. Oh, that's not even... Who was going to play Mrs. Gooch? Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great. Oh, it would have anyway. been 
Fabulous. I really like I really like Gooch in the film. Yeah, I think she's one of the best parts. Um, she's lovely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't fully put the blame on Lucy Lucille Ball. No. I don't because apparently you know she wanted to do it after seeing Rosalind Russell in the film. Mm-hmm. You know she didn't get it for Broadway good because that wouldn't that would have been good. No. Um, and so she got a chance to do it in the film, but I just feel like she was given the wrong director, mm-hmm. and also the world had had enough of Mame. Yeah, maybe we were just done with it by then. You know, it was had like five different iterations. Yeah. Yeah, it has quite the the journey that way, and which is a shame. Like maybe it's worth it. Well, Lucy should have just made a straight movie that was like the continued adventures of Auntie Mame. Yeah, like that would have been great. I know. Do you know what? There were some scenes in it where I was watching, mm-hmm. um, in particular, uh, in particular. Need a little Christmas, mm-hmm. and I guess in a bit in it's today. Yeah, where I got Russell Crowe vibes. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't expecting what, that, were you? What do you mean? So, I have this thing, right? Uh-huh. Obviously, we all we all know Russell Crowe should not have been in Les Mis. We all adore Russell Crowe and Les Mis, and think he was the perfect choice. And anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, did I I didn't put my sarcasm filter on heavy enough today, you did did not. I? I, I I've just had a small coronary <laughs> incident. Um so we all know that that should never have happened. Mm-hmm. Um but my heart breaks for Russell Crowe because you watch stars and you see fear in that man's eyes. Yes. And that is not acting. Yeah. That isn't I'm doing this weird thing where I know that I'm doomed to die, so yeah. I'm gonna play stars as if I'm scared. Yeah. Um He's just scared because he doesn't know how to sing. Yeah, I, and I absolutely see that in it's today. Um, just right, like when, it's just like I don't know I don't, what I'm doing. And now we dance, ah! and now we dance, and everyone's a better dancer than me. Yeah, no one's given me direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I wave she my hand this, like this. Yeah, yeah. She has this painted on face, and it's properly painted on. Yes. Um, and again, I find it, I just find it a little bit heartbreaking. I'm like, this is a shame. Yeah. Do you know I mean, she's not, she's not been set up properly no. to do this. She's been dealt a really bad card. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if you know, she's got B. Arthur there, who obviously doesn't like her. Right. She's not got this kind of camaraderie or sisterhood where or someone that she can go to and be like, uh, like help, <laughs> I'm like yeah, dying here. Yeah. Um, because as well, it's bloody. Is Lucille Ball? Yeah, she should be. Do you good know what at I this. mean? She should be good at anything she does because exactly she generally is. But she is good. She's absolutely great. Um, but in this, I just feel the odds were totally yeah. stacked against her. Yeah. Um, and it comes across, and it's it's just a bit heartbreaking. I, f- I feel really bad. It's really sad. I I've, I'm I get low key sad every time I yeah. watch the main film. Um. Just because of what could have been. There have been a lot of, even since I made my main video, there have been a lot of other uh, bootlegs of the original uh, Lansbury production yeah. that have come out. And man, it is, like, this is my time travel show. This is, if I could go back and see one original production on Broadway, yeah. it would be Mame. Um, because it just seems infectious and exuberant and, like, yeah. such a feel-good time. Um, and there is no good 
recreation of it, you know. No. There hasn't been even they made a uh Lansbury came back for a revival, um, I think in the seventies. Um of the eighties, eighty three. Um, yeah. and it was not well received. Um, it just kind of lost some of its shine and some of its vigor. And probably yeah. the 80s, we were beyond that. Um, That's it. As I just feel like mm, idealism. Yeah. Really? Yeah, exactly. Oh, we're over that. it's going to be fine. You're going to survive the stock market crash. <laughs> okay. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're just kind of over that in our cynical right. adulthood. As soon as the 80s hit, it yeah. was like, no. No. Thank you. Exactly. Ah, uh, but to you know, to go back and sit there in a 1960s audience and yeah. watch this, ah, uh, what I wouldn't give. I know. I just love what it did for Angela Lansbury. Like, oh, oh my God, she made it. Um, like that's what she says in her interview. She knew she made yeah. it. With it's this. a beautiful interview. Oh man, yeah. She Angela Lansbury is my spirit animal. Deeply and truly, she is. You love her so much. I really adore her. I adore her in this. I mean the. Not to gush too much, but like, watch. That's okay, I gush a lot. Watch the Manchurian Candidate. Watch Sweeney Todd. Watch a bootleg of her in Mame, and then watch Murder She Wrote. And yeah. like, that's the same gosh darn actress. Yeah. Um, it's insane. And like, yeah. not in the way that like, ooh, Johnny Depp always plays a stupid, bizarre character and is different every time. Like. Yeah. Angela Lansbury is very clearly herself, but has broken, like, is versatile and, like, like Patrick Stewart, like, you know. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, yeah. Versatile, able to take on anything, so poised, and then just so sweet and kind. Yeah, Um, yeah, no. Deeply and truly, I care for Angela Lansbury. And after you've watched all those, watch her massage video. Yeah, put that away. We don't talk about that. Well, yes, we do. I'm sorry. If I didn't have that, I would not be able to jiff. <laughs> oh, uh, I have no response. I have no response. It's so good. I, I will, actually kind of like it. I will never watch it. It's sexy. I will never watch it. You've never seen it? I have. I am aware of it and have seen bits and pieces and I will never watch it. Oh my Christ. No way. You've never seen it? Mm-mm. I'm gonna. That is gonna be like my Clockwork Orange moment for you. <laughs> it's probably one of the few pieces of Angela Lansbury literature Media. that I haven't experienced. It is pure literature. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, it's really good, and like, and I think it was probably quite effective. I be- I believe it. It's just like I didn't you know. You don't want to see her in a bath. I didn't know it existed for a very long time and had experienced her as like mild-mannered Jessica Fletcher on Murder, She Wrote. And like, it's just, you know, it's a st- it, it was a step too far for my childhood brain and I feel like I'm going to have some Freudian break if I watch it. She's a sexy woman. She is. Nobody can deny. <laughs> Angela Lansbury is a sexy woman no one can deny. Give me the exactly. t-shirt right now. Absolutely. Um... I'm gonna well it's definitely going to show notes. <laughs> Everyone else can watch it. You can. Oh, I'm so sad you're missing out. <laughs> open a new window, open a new door, travel a new highway that's never been tried before. <laughs>
That was meme. That you can, da, you can da, die da, happy. Da, 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 Jimmy. You know they only named it Mame because Angela Lansbury told them to. Here's my hat, fellas. <laughs> I know it's the same song. Not it's to mention, the same. we've talked about it all the time. But need a little Christmas, and it takes a woman. Is literally the same. Yeah, and I forget. Really I can never remember the name of the song, but they cut a song from Mame that is the new song and put it they, into the movie. No, and put it into Hello Dolly. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. Into the whole Dolly movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're just the same show, Mame Dolly. I know. <laughs> no, they're not. They're, I know. They're very different, despite having very many structural similarities and musical similarities. Anyway, <laughs> enough about that. You've had your dreams. It is time for mine. <laughs> that, was, that was intense. That was quite intense. That was good. We should <laughs> act. Um, Tommy, I have a quiz question we for you. We should act. What's your quiz <laughs> question? Okay. So, hey, uh, this music, again, not, we, did we ever do questions or have they always been statements? You want to just call them quiz statements from now on? We got a quiz statement for you. The Quaitman. The Quaitman. <laughs> I hate it. Um, this musical was partially inspired by a New York Pilates studio on 181st Street. Dun, dun, dun. It's Pilates the Musical. Um, what is it? Uh, <laughs> bon chance. If you want to get in contact with us, I'm Musical Mash on Twitter and Musical Theater Mash on YouTube. 
And I am as in Hendrix over on Twitter. I don't do YouTube anymore, so I'm not, <laughs> not, not going to keep this thing back. You can go see if you want. Or you can check out our show Twitter at Jim and Tomic, or you can go to the website jimandtomic.com, which has linked to the Reddit discussion where you can talk about MAME. Yeah, much to Tommy's like, maybe Tommy will come to Reddit for this one. Maybe. He promises nothing. <laughs> um, yes, if you would like to support the podcast, you can also find the link to our Patreon mm-hmm. um, on the website as well. And we'll see you next time. Yes, indeed. Goodbye now. Toodaloo, buckaroo. In a while, took a while. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.